Hey, Steve. Yes, honey. Why does a flamingo lift one leg? I don't know why. Because if it lifted both legs, it would fall over. <laughs> you get it, Jake? That's my joke. Real talk about raising kids for kids. Everybody on this panel either has kids or talks about kids or both. Or actually some kid. Or or all three. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just a good time. So uh, I'm, we're gonna introduce our parental panelists. I'm Ben Farrow, I'm the editor-in-chief of superparent.com. Our website is dedicated to creating content that helps parents and their children make excellent choices around content, things like YouTube, we talk about Pokemon Go, we talk about the kinds of games that kids could be playing, but maybe shouldn't be playing. Um, we talk about a lot of stuff on Superparent, you guys, can, you guys can check it out. So I'm gonna get my illustrious panel of people, parental panelists, to uh, introduce themselves. I'll start with Mike here. Hi, how's everybody doing today? That's your pass. That's a lot of energy. So uh, forgive me, I'm, I'm probably going to be speaking like this for much of the panel. Uh, we have Ben and I are partners. We have four kids, and one of our oldest son decided to give me a gift before we left. Uh, so I'm you know, choking down cough drops and baby You tell me this after you sit next to me. I'll give you a smooch. You want a smooch? I'm good. Yeah. My name is Mike Flutter. Good. Um, so I have a question. Um, so why uh, should Minecraft make a movie next summer? Because it'll be a it'll be a blockbuster. Um, so um, I just come on. I just confirmed that I am a dad. Um, <laughs> My name is Steven Dutzman. I am the founder of EngagedFamilyGaming.com. It's a website relatively similar to SuperParent. That's probably why Amanda and I know each other. Um, and uh, we write about video games and board games that families can play together. I've been doing it for about six years. We even have a podcast. We do, in fact. I have a podcast that I do with Amanda. It's true. So, yeah, that's it. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for coming out. My name is Carlin Meyer. I work in my day job. I'm an attorney working in legal education, but I also am the president of Chicago Nerd Social Club, which is kind of exactly what it sounds like, but we create very welcoming spaces for people to share their passions with others and find new things to love. Emphasis on the welcoming, and it's just, it's a very good, kind group full of great people, so. Can I join it if I live in Ottawa? Because I feel like... We have the internet. Yeah. Okay. Um, my name is Dr. Rachel Cowart. I also received a gift from my children before I left, so. Um, I'm the research director of Take This. We are a nonprofit organization that provides mental health information and resources to the gaming community and the gaming industry. We're the first nonprofit to be formed to specifically service the gaming community, and we also run the AFK Room, 
which is on the second floor, room 251. If you haven't been there, woo, you should go. It is the quietest room in the convention by design, which is how our clinical director describes it. Um, all the coloring books, uh, water, it's very nice. Um, I personally have been studying games and gamers for the last 15 years. And a couple years ago, I published a book called A Parent's Guide to Video Games, which I'm going to assume is why I'm sitting here right now. Hmm. Uh, I'm actually trying to get all of kids to all the answers. My name is uh, John Post, and I help run a podcast called Super Form Games Guest. And uh, I'm also the Tickets uh, Network Local Coordinator this year. Uh, I'm also a streaming investor for Tickets. And I have a 10 year old son uh, who, whenever he's down in my gaming room in the basement, uh, I'm sitting in the big comfy daddy chair. And he sees the computer and says, Daddy, you're going to drive your chair. So, it's pretty cool. That's great. Alright, so, why are we here? Well, we're here to talk about video games and kiddos and raising games with kiddos. But for whatever reason, over the many years that there have been video games, uh, parents of video games don't miss very well. But why? Why is that the case? I mean, we're all parents. We all love video games. But the perception, especially among parents that don't play video games and their kids play video games, they don't tend to mix very well. So today we're going to talk about moral panics. And, and Dr. Rachel, yes. can you tell me about what a moral panic is? Yes, a moral panic is when we all freak out about new technology for no good reason. Um, <coughs> That's the clinical definition. That's the technical <laughs> definition, yeah. So we've experienced moral panics every time there is a new technology that's developed and we're unsure about what effects it's having. So way back in the day, it started with crossword puzzles and then comic books and then radio. And Wait, then crossword puzzles? Crossword puzzles. Yeah, Satan speaks to you through crossword puzzles. <laughs> Do you know, what, you know what the panic was? They were concerned it might make people literate and that would be hysterical. Wow. Yeah, that was the actual, it's actually, you can find old, old newspapers. Oh, wow. I've got a picture now, so yeah, and then you know Elvis. Oh, that was oh yes, too. oh that Elvis. So today is video games. Today, the children, the children. That's right. So let's let's go take a let's go take a walk down memory lane because there is very specific, there are specific places where the video game moral panic started. Um, Mike, you and I were talking about this this morning. Where did this particular flavor of moral panic start? Depictions of blood and violence showed up on the screen. I remember when I was in, I think I was in junior high. What year did Mortal Kombat came out in 1993? Okay, I was in high school when Mortal Kombat came out. Uh, I remember that there was a cabinet at uh, our local large convenience store called Drug Fair, which upon reflection is an amazing name for a store. Uh, but it was the only place in town that really had a few arcade cabinets. You do this game, you can rip somebody in half, you can rip their spine out. It's uh, now I just want to play it more. That's what pixels, though, right? That's what, just, that's what video games are. The, the funny thing is that Mortal Kombat got all, got all the crap, but I don't know if you remember a game called Time Killer. 
was a game where you could, in the middle of the match, hack off people's arms and legs. Everybody had a weapon. Then you could like hop around. All right. <laughs> so really, this is now the Time Killers panel. Bait and switch. Uh, no, it's definitely not. So that's where that's where this flavor of video game moral panic started. Steven, you run Engaged Family Gaming. I do. Where Where do you think that moral panic has led us to today? Um. So, I mean, I think it's done a number of things. I mean, I think the big piece is. Am I am I not picking it up? You gotta be able it's to. Okay, it. Oh, should I? I should be friends with the microphone. You um, no, not right up on it. Like about six inches away. Thank you. Um, microphone etiquette. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, I'm a host of a podcast. I don't know how to use a microphone. What do you? Um, I'm, don't judge me. Uh, it's ten thirty. So. The, I think it's done a couple of things. I mean, I think the big piece is right now we're kind of in the middle of it. So it's just caused a lot of confusion and a lot of mixed messages because um, there are a lot of folks that don't know who to listen to because uh, there are a lot of folks that have authority uh, that are, you know, absolutely convinced that video games are or are contributing to, quote unquote, the downfall of society. Um, and so... I think those of us who do play games um, and our parents um, and, you know, some of us up here, it's kind of our job to help kind of carve through some of the bad messages. And that's kind of what I try to do. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that, that's where I think it's taking us. It's just right now we're in the middle of confusion. I know eventually we'll get out of it, but not without help. That's fair. I'm going to keep pushing this on down the panel. Harlan, what, is, what does it mean for video games, for parents, like when you talk to other parents and you take your, your children to school, what are they talking about when it comes to video games? Are they panicking? So largely, I kind of have two different sets of circles. Some are my nerd friends where, you know, they're playing games with their children and they're engaged and they're very aware of what the games are and can kind of make the call about whether it's appropriate for their kid in terms of, you know, violence or anything else or even just subject matter or intensity. And then there are the ones who are just like, what's that, what's the, what is the Fortnite, you know? And with those, you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of a whole other conversation where, you know, you, we're really starting from the basics. Um, the biggest thing that I see uh, that I think is a very valid thing to bring up is, uh, has to do with streamers. That it's less about what is this game specifically my kid is playing, it's more who is the streamer that my kid is watching. <laughs> Um, can I vouch for this person? Is this someone I would invite over to my home? Is this someone that if my kid were hanging out with them in the school, I would say, hey, the kid's got some pretty bad attitudes, some pretty bad ideas. That's the thing that comes up often that I wouldn't classify as a moral panic. I'd say that's a very wise, prudent thing to look into when it comes to your child in gaming. Um, but it's kind of a separate thing. I like that, though. Being able to draw that line between they're panicking unreasonably about a video game or video games in general versus Okay, maybe we need to have a conversation about YouTube and Twitch and streamers Absolutely. and stuff like that. <laughs> it's true, then. John, I want you to weigh in on this. In terms of the kinds of games that you play with your son and the kinds of conversations that you're having with him on a regular basis, are you talking to other parents You know that maybe aren't gamers? What so, are you hearing? So I'm in, I'm in kind of an interesting situation. Like, most of my friends are Right, so so we don't we don't really need to have those conversations because it's understood that you know we we're gonna let our kids play games and we don't see anything wrong with that. For me, it's more of a conversation with his mother. He lives with his mother, um, so and she is very much into family video games. She doesn't.
she's a child educator, um, and she takes she has a very very kind of uh, I guess you would say puritarian stance on on, on games. And so so getting her to like let her like for example have a Nintendo Switch was a, it was a struggle. It was a, it was a fight for her. And so I had to sit down and actually dot a switch and show her like you know Super Mario Odyssey or Mario Kart, and then tell her like look this is it's, it's bouncy you know like it's it's an Italian plumber jumping on mushrooms like it's, it's not really that bad. Um, and it's so Fortnite for, for was a struggle for her. Yeah, um, I imagine so. And he's now wrapped up 300 hours of Fortnite. Um, and, 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 you know. Respect. Right, yeah. Like, his, his Nintendo username is Elite Gamer. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, so proud of him. Yeah. But, but, but getting to that point, getting to that point with her was what she needed. It wasn't enough that I was, you know, it wasn't enough for her. We need to see physical evidence that this is not going to ruin him or corrupt him or cause him to become violent. Oh, corrupt him. Okay, that's why I said it. Let's talk about corruption. Let's talk about Fortnite. Okay, let's not really corruption. So one of the one of the conversations that I had, I've had a lot of conversations with parents over the last several years, especially over the last year about Fortnite, is a lot of people are asking, why is my kid addicted to playing Fortnite? Is the first question. Usually I get this question from folks that don't Because it's objectively good, and anyone who says otherwise is lying to themselves. Um, so, um, so I'll start with that. Um, no, I mean, I mean that's the the fundamentals is that it's a good video game. It's well made. It's fun to watch. It's fun to look at. Um, and the other piece, and I, I'm sure you know, John's probably dealing with some of that with his son. Well, we can fight about it later. I, 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 so, um, the the other piece is. You know, for my son specifically, uh, this is his opportunity to hang out with his boys, right? Wow. So, so it's you know it's a social thing for him. This is the equivalent of you know AOL and Messenger when I was a kid, or um, you know the playground. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 
I mean, it, it's really just that. I mean, the, the, half the time they're really not even playing the game. They're just kind of messing around in menus and in chat. So I get so frustrating because I just want to watch them play. And I'm like, <laughs> well, can you get out of the item yeah, shop? Yeah, your pretty good. You're just going to keep accidentally buying stuff. Can you just play the game? Wink, wink. Accidentally on purpose buying stuff. Oh, no. I bought this new pickaxe. Yeah. All right, John, what about your son? So, uh, from, you know what? Like, when I was a kid, uh, you know, in 1987, I was seven years old. Uh, and, and it was always like, hey, you want to watch me play So like if there's a party and someone leaves the party, that's like the worst thing that could happen. Even if that person is just, you know, moving on, like leveling up or doing something different, everyone needs to be together. And so recognizing that like we need a game where just everyone's going to come with. For example, the current one we're doing is um, Steven Universe uh, Save the Light, if anyone has played that oh, that's one. that's a good one. Yeah, and so that one you just, you have this group of people, they're encouraging each other, and you know, they're fighting and stuff like that. The violence, it's very cartoonish, but the violence is less of a thing. It's more of we need to have everyone together and everyone is encouraging and everything is cooperative. Um, and so kind of recognizing that, um, obviously there are certain games where we might kind of turn the violence filter off if I'm playing you know, with my husband. But uh, in general, if I'm playing something with her, I recognize that there needs to be some camaraderie with it, and that'll actually allow her to enjoy and kind of get into that space of exploration rather than kind of feeling low-key stressed about, about it. Um, and so as she gets older, of course, there will be different things to, to consider, but right now it's very much that's, that's kind of the, the biggest thing to be concerned with, and from there she can have fun. I like that. Rachel, how do you approach game creation in your home? 
Um, my daughter is four. She loves all the PBS games. So that's those are good games, though. Um, they are good games. Daniel Tiger. Um, <coughs> but when I talk to parents about doing it in their homes, um, I talk to a lot of parents of teenagers, so they kind of curate their own, and the parents are kind of like, well, is this okay? I get a lot of questions about Fortnite. Um, and my suggestion has become, I understand if you don't want to play games with your children. Not everyone wants to play games, I get it. But Twitch is amazing. And you can go to Twitch, and you can look up videos of other people playing these games, and that'll give you the best idea of what your child is being exposed to, what kind of games your children are playing, what elements are in it, to make sure that's something that you want to allow to be played in your home. When I was a kid, those were, those were my dark blue duck. Those were good. Um, but you know, my parents had no idea what we were playing. They didn't have these resources that we have now. It's more than just looking at you know the ESRB ratings. Like we can really see like what is this game? How are they playing it? Is are they all together? Is it violent? Is it not? And it would take just you know a little Google search and like two minutes. And I want to add to that because it, it's just the same way we curate any other content. You know, like I love this website, Common Sense Media, because it's not saying, oh, your child is this age, they can't watch this, but just like, heads up, there's a little dog that's going to go missing. You know, <laughs> someone might slap a child in the face, and it's just, I need to know these things are going to happen. So if I choose to watch it with my kid, we can, you know, kind of hold her and talk to her at this moment or maybe skip it. And so just in the same way that you would. Yeah. That's such a good point because video games are held at like such a different, almost not standard is not the right word, but it's like it's another form of media. Right. We just take the same statements. Yeah, to exactly. curate, make sure they're watching. Absolutely, Mike. Do you want to talk a little bit about how we approach, con uh, you know, curating games in our home since we're sure. both game journalists? Yeah. Uh, so we have four kids. Uh, our eldest is 15. We don't really have to worry about her. She doesn't play video games except Fortnite. But even then, she doesn't. And play stuff on her phone. Every once in a while, stuff will show up on my phone, like free stuff that she's downloaded. Oh. So she plays a lot on her phone. Got it. Um, we have a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 6-year-old. Uh, the 10-year-old was, uh, he's been challenging only because I made the assumption that because our daughter, our oldest daughter, is extremely mature, that he would be able to handle certain kinds of content. <clears throat> and you know, we let him play up to T-rated to, to games with understanding like what he was playing. So there was, a, for a while, he was playing Overwatch. He was playing Destiny, and it was an experiment that failed because I happened to notice on his account that he had been chatting, like sending text messages back on, back and forth with somebody on PSN, and getting into somebody, getting into it with somebody, and like starting to get really aggressive and angry. I'm like, that's it, you're done. There's no more online games anymore. Uh, you had the opportunity. I told you what the, the risks and rules were, and our rules are very simple. You don't give out your name. You don't give out your location. You don't give out your age. Your name doesn't, you know, doesn't communicate. Your username doesn't communicate anything about who you are. You do not voice chat, um, and you know, he broke the rules. Uh, so, so how do we approach it now? So what we've done is we've really scaled things back. The kids are allowed to play E10 plus games, um, and it is a case by case on a T on a T rated game if we deem that it's something that all of them can play. Um, because it's not just about the playing the game; it's about the fact that you know if you're in a common area playing a game and the younger kids are, are around, we want to make sure that it's not just about playing, it's about exposure. And there are times where we're sitting in our office where we're playing The Division or we're playing um, other M-rated games. Like when I was reviewing Long Year. Yeah, so we'll pause the game and we will say, all right, 
what do you need? You know, you know, is there something I can do for you? Like if they're moving in and out of the house, doing whatever, um, you know, running into the backyard, or, uh, and, and then we'll let them know. Like they'll, they'll ask, what are you playing? They're always curious about what are you playing. Not a game for you. This game is inappropriate for your age level. I need you to leave. Also, I love you. <laughs> and they That's under usually how that goes. And they understand what that means now. There's no pushback. No. And we've gotten to the point where it's it, it's fairly seamless. Then the big the, the other big challenges that we have are dealing with multiplayer games, local multiplayer games, and how they play with one another. But that's just a general parenting thing. Yeah, that's it's not really a curation of game thing. Yeah. That's more along the lines of okay, children, maybe don't throw things at one another in person. <clears throat> yep, but we're pretty comfortable with with everything up to E10 plus. And then if there's a specific T-rated game that they've heard about from a friend or they were over at a friend's house and saw and they want to play it, we approach that on a case-by-case -case basis. Awesome. All right, we're going to keep moving right along. Great question. Yes. Um, so you mentioned online chat. Yes. And I'm very liberal with what my kids can play. And, you know, and talking to friends of mine, trying to create the paradigm shift that video games I think the, the first thing is that it's okay to say no, um, you know, like, so I want to reinforce that. Like if you're feeling, you know your kids better than I do. Um, so first off, I support you. If you want to say no to voice chat, go ahead. Um, I think, you know, my son is 10 and he got a headset for Christmas from someone. Um, and, uh, you know, and so we obviously we want to let him use it. Right. Um, so what we have encouraged him to do is make connections with friends at school, with friends at Boy Scouts. And so the rule we have is voice chat with your dudes. And if you or, or your, you know, and if the rule is if I see you in a group and you are your voice chat is on, um, I'm going to walk up to the television and I'm going to point at the usernames and you have to tell me who they are. And if you can't say it's. It's Jose from Boy Scouts and Jose's cousin or whatever. Like if they, if he can't say specifically who they are or how they are related to someone that I know, then I just turn it off. And with the switch, it's super easy because I can just take it out of the dock and put it in my pocket and leave. Um, and, um, and he gets real mad when he's like in the top 15 and I'm like, are you chatting with this guy? And he's like, I don't know. And, and I just eat it into my pocket and get out. Um, so that's a, I mean, admittedly, that's a unique concept. The Switch allows us to like completely shut down games in a very easy and comical way. But I mean, any other way, if that's how I do it, um, and I think that opens it up. So they still get to use the voice chat. They still get to use their heads, their fancy headsets. Um, and it means that you don't have to listen to 
children talking on voice chat through your television, which any of us could just imagine it if you've never done it. It's the worst. Um, and uh, it's just so bad. Um, I'm sure they would feel the same way about listening to me. I'm sure they do actually feel the same way listening to me. Um, but that, that's, my, that's my advice. And then that gives them the experience without the, man, the general public is the worst, but. Yeah. Are you familiar with Apex Legends? It's a recent Okay. So one of the things that's great about that, this, about that game is that um, it has served a number of communities with its, what it's called the ping system, where you don't actually have to be on voice chat in order to communicate effectively with your team. So, and I know that I believe Epic integrated a ping system into Fortnite. I mean, recently. kinda. It started. I mean, give it a few months. Give yeah. it a few months. So there were there were two different reasons why this kind of surface is a really great thing. The first one is that women take a lot of crap online, and it allowed women to jump into the game and not have to get on voice chat and immediately suffer abuse. Use the ping system. You can you can play. Nobody nobody's gonna bother you because they they're not and then for accessibility purposes. But it's great for kids because it's like, no, we don't want you on voice chat, or you've lost the privilege of voice chat because you violated our rules. You can still play the game and be effective in the game. Using using a ping. Ping so I hope that we start seeing that integrated in more games because it serves multiple communities and serves multiple functions. It's a great quality of life inclusion and I'm hoping that we start seeing it. That's great. All right, so this is like overarching. <coughs> I think that everyone on the panel that this is the way that we approach is leading with understanding and make sure, making sure that this isn't about definitively saying, no, you can't do this, well, why? Because I said so, you know, it's about creating conversation around content and making sure that we're, you know, enabling our kids to make a decision. So I want to talk about screen time for a quick second. I don't want to go too deep into this, but I want to talk to, to Rachel specifically. Rachel, can we talk a little bit about screen time? Does it really matter how much screen time my kid has? We need a longer panel. I know. Can you wrap it up in like a paragraph? Okay. Short version. Short version. Um, TLDR. Yeah, exactly. So people like to talk about screen time as like this overarching thing. And there's a really good analogy that Andy Shabilsky, who is the head of the Oxford Internet Institute, he always says, like, with eating, we don't talk about like, food time. Like, why are we talking about screen time? You can do oh, I want to talk about food time. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm all about food time, but yeah. So, TLDR, uh, no. Next. That's great. That was <laughs> so, amazing. No. Um, it really doesn't matter. It's what are you doing with the screens? It's how is it being integrated into your daily life? Is it one of many activities? Am I Skyping with grandma and am I playing Fortnite and I'm checking my email? Um, it's very, from a scientific standpoint, it is completely unfruitful to talk about screen time. And if you see awesome. an article on variety about screen time, just don't read it. Don't read it. Variety. I don't know why I think variety. I like variety. If you see, um, if you see an article, it wasn't me. It wasn't you. No, it was Brian. I know which story it was. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> so I want to. I do want to talk Shots like a fine. teeny tiny bit about how we govern screen time and like video game time and how we play video games with our kids in our households. I'm going to start with John. So John, how do you govern and approach screen time with your son? Well, I'm in some ways grossly irresponsible in many aspects of my life. So if Thank I you for being so candid. If I could, if I could play video games all day with my son, I would. Um, but my, my wife, who, is, who also plays games, is far more responsible than I am. And Vicky, Vicky is, yeah, she's, anyway. She's, 
she's far superior to me in many aspects. But, but she, um, we work out a system where, uh, you know, now that James Kennedy's going to be 11 uh, in April, he, he, he'll, he wakes up before we do, and which I'm like, fine, whatever, feed the dogs, and it's all good. Uh, he's, we, he's got an Xbox in his room. And so he plays, you know, on Apex Legends, we say, you have two hours in the morning to play Apex Legends, do whatever you gotta do, just keep it down. And uh, after that, we're gonna go out, we're gonna do a few things, we're gonna socialize a little bit. Uh, you can have two more hours in the afternoon. And then at 8 o'clock, if you don't wanna hang out and watch, you know, movies with mom and dad, you can go upstairs and play a little more Apex Legends. We don't put restrictions on his, on his switch, really, because that, that's more of a pick up, play 30 minutes, and he'll, he, eventually, you know, he's like, he's good enough, he's like, okay, I'm done with that now. Uh, I, can, I, can, I can move that aside and, and, and That's he, great. do other things. But, but we, we install that in him in a, in, a, in a very, very early age. So he's extremely good about saying, okay, I'm done now, no problem. I can put all the controller awesome. and I'm not going to raise a fuss about it because I know for a fact that I'm going to get to play later. Um, and, and, you know, his, we, basically what we've done is we've installed it in mind so that, you know, if I'm good about, if I'm, if I'm good about putting that controller now, I get to play later, and that's better than being bad about it and not getting, getting to play at all the rest of the day. Absolutely. Um, so it's so we basically we reward his playtime with more playtime. That's great, um, Harlan. How do you approach it in your home? So since I still have a, a kindergartner, something that's really important for our screen time is the use of subtitles. Um, they're great for everybody, all the time. Um, so anything, anything that we're watching that we're playing, we have subtitles on it. And my kid became literate so quickly, and I, I swear this is a large part of it. You could, yeah, we read together too, but every screen always had words on it. Um, we also sometimes, you know, we play around with, like language and stuff like that. Like if we're if there's good, you know, voiceover um, localization options, it's we're going to play this in Spanish now, and you know we can still have English subtitles. So you're either going to work on Spanish or you're going to work on reading. So you know, you just try to like. You know, it's, it's me probably trying to justify screen time to myself, but it works. Um, so that's just a little thing we like. That's to amazing. It's fun. I should start doing that. <laughs> okay, but we're going to talk a little bit about how we handle screen time in our house. Um, do you want me to? You can kick it off. You can. I, I told the last story, you told about, story. about how, how I screwed up. So <laughs> um, I think it's important that we admit our, our parenting mistakes because we've made a number along the way. Experimentation. Is this thing going to work for our kids? No, it doesn't work. How do we fix it? How do we find the right balance? I'm really happy with the balance that we found. Again, it's kid by kid, family by family. I'm really happy where we landed, but it did require some experimentation. And that means there was some failure. And understanding where those failures came from is important. So don't be afraid of your parenting failures. Embrace them. Learn from them. It means you're trying. So how we approach screen time in our home, especially with our, our three youngest kids, is it's, it is really structured. We we found that if we let them make those decisions for themselves at this point in their lives, the six and seven year old especially, it doesn't go so well. I mean, Vivian turned into. We'll get there. We'll get there. We're gonna, we can we can potentially talk about like where some of the some of the things that we experimented with where things went really sideways. But how we approach it now is the kids get a specific number of hours of non-interactive screen time. So like to hang out and watch a movie or watch television shows together. They have a prescribed amount of time where they can play interactive games together or separately or, or whatever. There's so many consoles. The benefit of living in a game journalist household. So many consoles. Um, 
that's education. Right. But I'm, I'm, yeah. So but that's, it's like that's it's not so much any. So there, we, we separate that educational screen time into anytime they're in front of a screen where we we can we make them justify this to us. What are you learning from this? Like, what is your what do you think you're going to get out of yeah. this? Yeah. So and that's creativity time for the kids too, so they can sit down and like paint cool stuff and make cool cool little programs and apps, and it's really fun for them. And we don't really govern educational screen time. They're making stuff and. They do have to request it. They do. They have to say, like, hey, can I go have educational time? And we're looking at our watches and we're like, oh, it's been, been a couple hours. Okay, let's go check on Let's see what they're doing. See what they're, see what they're making. But yeah, that's how we uh, handle screen time in our house. Steven, how do you handle screen time in your house? Um, I think it depends on a weekday versus a weekend. Um, oh, us too. So on the weekends, I mean, it really is just dependent upon our schedule, and it, to a degree, it gets it just gets unfettered, um, especially if it's just easier. Uh, but during the week, uh, we recently experimented with using video game time specifically as a reward. Nope, we really don't watch a lot of TV, mm -hmm. um, so. Um, or movies for that matter. So um, we use video game time as a reward. So if you do your homework correctly, not just throw words on the page just to get it done. Um, and if you get your chores done, then you get to follow it up with doing some screen time, um, specifically video game time. And we found that that's been productive that's in the last great. couple of weeks. Um, before that, it was just a mess. And a lot of that's just, just it's hard to quit Fortnite when you're in the middle of a match. Um, so we're, we're learning. It's, yeah. it's been an evolving process. That makes sense. Rachel, do you have anything that you want to add for how you have this weekend? I think it, clear boundaries. Is, clear is, boundaries. You can't, ugh, my daughter will watch YouTube all day. We no longer have YouTube on the iPad just all day. Um, yeah, and I think you have it right. Like, it's separate. That was what I was saying. Like, not all screen time is created equal. You can have more screen time if you're learning spelling. Sure. Mm -hmm. But that's enough of the YouTube. That's enough Blippi. I've got it. <laughs> That's good. It's a it's an important um, it's an important thing to remember. So the the whole the whole thing that we're trying to instill here is that look, our goal needs to be to that we need to instill healthy habits that are going to last, and it's not going to be about you can't play this game or you can't do this or you're only allowed to do this. If we don't have these kinds of conversations, they're going to leave our homes. They're going to go out into the real world, and they're going to be like. I have so much to do now. What do I do? How do I do this? I have no idea. It's the screen time version of the freshman video game, which I didn't twice. That's good. Which means we can't be rigid. So we have to constantly be questioning what is good for our kids, what's good for our families, what's right for the moment that our kids are in, and that's in terms of their age, that's in terms of their maturity levels, what's good for our eldest daughter is not good for our youngest chaos ball. Otherwise, it is our youngest daughter. So, I mean, yeah, we, we constantly need to be pressing those boundaries. But we're going to talk about this. And we're going to it. All right, who wants to start? You, you want to start with it? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, we're going to start with playing and our ball chaos. So uh, there was a time when we were getting settled in and uh, Viv didn't have you know, a bunch of toys available to her. We got workbooks for her. But ultimately it came down to the iPad. 
and YouTube. And she was on YouTube Kids nonstop. And we this is before I knew the perils of YouTube Kids. Yeah, that's a whole different panel now, isn't it? So what we noticed was she was, I mean, the, it became a, a, a tenure, essentially, it became a security blanket, and any time we tried to remove that from her. And it's because partially, you know, she was away from her, her brother, she was away from, you know, our home in Canada, so I mean, it was a new setting, she's like, well, I have this thing that's mine. She wasn't in school yet. She was not, she was four, so we're like, I don't know, we just want her to be She wasn't happy. I mean, it, it, She's it, not happy. it really turned into, because we were working, and it turned into, you know, de degrading behavior and attitude and snapping at us. My dad, when I was a kid, when we got our NES, like, I would play that thing nonstop, and my parents would be like, all right, you can go do this, and I would, I would get grumpy with it, and my dad called it Nintendo Attitude, which I'm sure Nintendo would absolutely love. But... <laughs> So we used to jokingly recall what was going on, and Dibs not being the only one of the kids who ran into this. You know, our oldest son, Paul, did too. We jokingly called it Nintendo Attitude, but that's what it was. It was like this. My brother like, suffered from that too when we were when we were little. Yeah. So we went through we went through detox. Like we, we made her quit cold turkey. We took, oh, yeah. we took the iPad away for it was a month. month. It was a month. She wasn't allowed to touch it. She wasn't allowed to even know where it lived. Yep. She had to. When we reintroduced, we re reintroduced very slowly, very methodically. Again, this is what I'm talking about. It's like you need to make these mistakes sometimes in order to to figure out like, the best way for your individual kids. Every kid's different. Every family's different. Absolutely. So let's keep going down down the line, Stephen. Where are you going? I don't make mistakes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know what? Uh, you know. So, uh, Oh man, of course I do. Just look at me. Um, so, <laughs> um, so the, um, I mean, the biggest one, and this is something that I, I run into a lot um, because we have, you know, I'm in, I, I love games, I play games, um, and I have a 13 year old and a 10 year old, um, and the issue that I run into, and this is a a thing that we have kind of encountered, um, and I'm still in the process of trying to figure it out is that there are games that are appropriate for me and for my 13-year-old to play or talk about or consume content about um, that not so much for our 10-year-old. Um, and trying to figure out how to strike that balance is a real challenge, um, especially when they're so close, right? Um, and because they really are you know, best friends. And so to be like, all right, Evan, that's my oldest. Um, you know what? You can, you're at the point where I think it's cool for you to play Assassin's Creed. Um, which I'm, I'm getting there. He's, he's convincing me because he loves ancient Egypt. Um, and so I'm like, maybe, you know, he's trying to sell me on it. He, we don't own it yet. We don't own it yet, but 
you know, the... Yeah, there's a museum-ish. What is that? I, I, yes, I do. Oh, we'll talk after. That was, that was, that was 100% sarcasm. Of course oh, I know about oh. Discovery Mode. Um, you, Wiley... Um, everything I say is sarcasm to you guys. Um, so that's, that's the mistake that I've been making, and that's what's going wrong. It's because we keep talking about it and leaning into it, and then his younger brother's like, well, all right, I'm in. I want to kill some dudes. And I'm like, <laughs> so um, I think, you know, um, and so that's the, that's the big challenge um, and the biggest mistake is kind of leaning into that. And I think a little bit earlier than I probably should have. Um, and so I'm finding a way how to like back myself out of, you know, kind of stepping in it. My wife is not, was not pleased uh, when she found out that Evan and I were conspiring to allow him to, uh, to play. Um, I guess the other piece is you should talk to your, to your uh, partner uh, before you make significant gaming decisions. Um, yes. So I'm learning. Um, but I mean, nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. That's why we're talking about this. We want to be able to share some of the things that we've learned. So, Harlan, what kinds of mistakes have you made so far with regards to like video games or screen time? Where have things gone horribly wrong, but you fixed it? So far, so good. Not to say that I'm a perfect parent, just, you know, we've had challenges in other areas, but this has been pretty smooth, so I'm going to pass this to Rachel. Um, well, when I talk to parents uh, about what's going on, and the example I just gave about my daughter, untethered access tends to be the number one issue. I'm concerned my kids play too many video games, so what are they playing? Well, I don't know. I'm concerned of who they're talking to. Who are they talking to? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, let's tether in the access. Um, so my daughter can watch YouTube on the television, but she cannot have YouTube on the iPad. Your children can play any game they want, but they cannot talk to the other people, or you limit them to people that they know. Um, it's about, you have to have some boundaries, just like we have with any other media that we consume, or our children consume. I think that's been the number one issue that I've heard, which is, well, they play all the time, and I don't know what they play, and I don't know who they play with. So at least put it in a little bit of a box, and then we can we can move on from there. I like that. What about you, John? Oh. <laughs> uh -oh. John's got stories. So, super old brother, right? Who's the best from right now? Yeah. Super wholesome, right? Stuff yeah. on the screen for everybody involved. It's never like that, you know it. Super Mario Party is the game that made Vicky and I realize that we spent so much time teaching Jay how to be a good loser. We had oh, no. really put any emphasis on teaching you to be and teaching you to be a good winner. Uh -oh. <laughs> and so, and, and there's a dual lesson here: one, teaching your kid to be a good winner, and also teaching him that certain gestures are <laughs> <laughs> So we're downstairs playing Super Mario Party with Vicky, and when he wins, we had just got just previously we watched uh, Avengers: Infinity War. There's a scene in the movie where Peter Quill puts a bomb on Thanos' back, yells boom, and then throws up what I like to call the big old freedom rocket. That's when you go to right? My son has no idea what that gesture means. He just thinks, oh, I won. So, he wins the Mario Party, turns around to my block, and goes boom, and then throws out that big old freedom rocket. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> oh no, son. He, he, he looks at me and all of a sudden he sees Sergeant Phipps' US Marine Corps start to happen. He immediately bursts into tears because he's so long on my face. He looks at me and she goes, oh no. And so she, she got me like this and instead she says, Jaden, let me tell you what we don't do that. And, uh, and I'm just like, I'm just like, 
and, and, and she says, she says, go, go out of the room. And so she sends me out of the room, and I can hear Jane in there, I didn't know what it meant! <laughs> and, and, she, and, she, but, and she calmed it down, and she handled it, she handled it the right way. I, I was about to, I was about to make him scrub every toilet in the house. But the lesson there was that, you know, it's not just, it's, it's not just, you know, teaching your, it's not just teaching your kid to accept the dignity gracefully, it's also teaching your, your kid to, to, to win gracefully as well. Uh, and also, you're watching Avengers Infinity War, tell him, yeah, what, what Star Wars just did, don't, don't do that. <laughs> That's not a celebration, <laughs> I think we can, I think, I think we can all agree that everything that Star-Lord does is something that you should not do. I'm not going to lie, though. There was a small article when it happened internally that was like... I would have been all of me. I've been like... Looking back, it's great. I think I would have rather he flipped me off than T-posed in my face. Just so done. I'm just done with the T-posing to assert dominance in my house. It just drives me insane. I would have rather been just lost. You know what? Flossing's fine. I think it's fine. They, really they understand that if they floss at me, I floss it in public. Oh, no, in front of them. That's how I handle that. Why? this is why 
Um, and especially when it comes to, if your kids are watching streamers, if your kids aren't are chatting with people, explaining what is the concern that I'm getting at here. It's not just because I don't want you to watch this, it's not just because I don't want you to have a good time talking to people, but actually explaining what it is that you're concerned about. Um, we have a line of people, but I think that that's, that's something that's really important to get your kids on the, on the same page about. That's a good point. Sure. Um, one thing that we did, we have a rule in our house where you don't say or do things that you don't know what they mean. So my son really started swearing a lot after YouTube, and so I was like, do you know what that, do you know what that word means? And he was like, no, no, I do not. And so I was like, then we don't say things that we don't know what they mean. Um, so that's a quick tip. And then the other tip is just in terms of like what kinds of media, we are doing media food groups. So they're learning about food groups in class. So I thought YouTube is a sometimes So like different kinds of media are, um, we equate to like different food groups, which has been really good for him. He's in kindergarten. That uh, was yeah, so that was, that was kind of the way that I, I Navigated that issue. Can we talk? You, I, I would love to talk to you about this after the panel because I'd love to hear your theory and maybe write about it and talk about it. Totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm super happy to talk to you about that. Um, but I also had a question. My son's on the spectrum, so he's special needs. Sure. Um, having a schedule is really, really good for him. Having rigid lines is really, really good for him. But I was wondering if you guys had any other tips in terms of because um, he can't really hyper focus on a specific game or like a specific thing. Do you guys have any tips on like how to maybe have them reach out or how to like navigate that special needs? Sure, our son is, is similar. Um, where he will play a game and that will consume everything. So when it's Minecraft, he's reading Minecraft books, he's talking about Minecraft, he's mapping out stuff about Minecraft. Every conversation is about Minecraft. Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah, we, we had that, that one too. I know grown-ups like that. <laughs> and yep. So it, so it's kind of it's kind of the same thing. So what we've started to do because um, he is um, in ADHD land and not on the spectrum. With what works with him is we make him aware of it. Hey, you know we've now had two conversations about Minecraft today. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about what happened in school today. What are you doing in math right now? What are you doing in science right now? And just try to gently steer the conversation in other directions. But making him aware, like, hey, you are perseverating on this. Like, this is this is all you've talked about today. And I love that you're I love that you're enthusiastic. I'm so glad you're having fun with this. And let's find some other things to talk about. And he never we've managed to do it in a way that doesn't make him feel bad. But uh, it is something that we I mean, listen, if you don't like video games, PAX is your nightmare. <laughs>
don't want your children should play. But from a scientific point of view, zero evidence of desensitization. The brain is amazing at knowing what is real and what is not. Watching Rambo versus being Rambo. Totally oh, different experiences. Totally, <laughs> totally different experiences, truly. And there have been literally thousands of studies, thousands, about the effect of violent games, and it has no impact on violent behavior. That's it. But this is an emotion. I cry at car commercials as a parent. I know this is an emotional decision, but from a scientific perspective, uh, the influence is, is zero. And your emotional decision Thank is perfect. You. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>